Welcome to This Week in the ACC. This is Matthew. I'm your moderator. You can follow me on Twitter at at Hokiesmash underscore ASD. And joining me as always is Jeffrey Fan, who you can follow on Twitter at at Talkin ACC Sports. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. You can follow the site Twitter account at at allsportsdacc. And this week we have Tim Thomas from techlunchpail.com. He is a re- great return guest. He's been on here for, uh, more than, uh, you know, quite a few times, I'd say, in the last couple of years. And uh, his Twitter account for, the, for his site is at techlunchpail.d. Again, that's at tech, T-E-C-H-L-U-N-C-H, pale, P-A-I-L-D. And he just has really... One of the very one of the very best Virginia Tech blogs in the blogosphere, and the and the Twitter account is just really good. And Tim, welcome back, man. I know I you know I gave a, a few plugs here. I know I can't remember offhand what your what your personal Twitter account is that's associated with the site. Plus, you got a lot of contributors that are helping you at TechLunchPail.com, and we've seen your site grow. I mean, we saw it in its infancy. We had you on when you made the switch from. Uh, Boy, I think it was from it was from one of the independent blogs, right? And to yep. to the blog that you run now, and it's just taken off. So here's your chance to tell us about yourself, Tim, and anything you want to plug. Yeah, so we are at the Tech Lunch, but we're celebrating. We're over six years. It's incredible to think about that. Um, and you know, right when we launched, uh, after I had spent a year at the Fighting Gobbler, was a freshman at Tech launched the site. Um, and you guys had me on, and I've been on, and I've loved being on every time since, including that time. Y'all were huge in that. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a tech alum, 2018 graduate uh, with a degree in civil engineering. Um, but I, I've, I no longer am an engineer. I think that's changed since maybe the last time I was on the pod. Uh, I, I'm actually a financial advisor with New York Life nowadays, the sponsor of this year's ACC tournament. So, um, I, you know. That's you know I I'm my company is on the court um, was on the court in Greensboro um, but yeah uh, we have a great team we've been around six years we we've we've had our ups and downs but we've continued to have growth um, and are excited for the future and excited for this upcoming week another Tech NCA tournament we got a great team of people uh, Jahar Ali who pops in and does some great in, brings some great insight sometimes as he's as he has the time to. Um, and got a couple of great student writers nowadays. Uh, um, Andy Lowe's been around with the team over a year, well over a year now. Um, and it just brings great work on multiple fronts, including the baseball front. And Jack Brizendine, who's been, you know, he's a freshman at Tech. And, I, you know, just like Andy, I think he's got a really bright future ahead um, in the industry. And uh, it's been a great addition to driving our women's basketball coverage, which, of course, tomorrow night, big night, obviously, in the, with the women's bracket reveal in Virginia Tech is going to have their first, uh, you know, they would have had one last year if it wasn't for obviously the pandemic, but they will make their NCAA women's tournament um, return uh, tomorrow night for the first time in a long time. Kenny Brooks deserves a ton of credit for the job he's done with that program. Uh, You can sometimes find me as well on ESPN Blacksburg on a weekly basis and on the ESPN Blacksburg pregame show for football games. And, um, yeah. Some others, you know, sometimes I'll pop on. You'll hear me on ESPN Richmond as well. So pop around a few different places. And, uh, yeah, obviously, of course, tonight, you know, six, I'm glad to be on. The brackets are out. 
you know, as we're doing this, I have my ESPN bracket up and I'm just touching on it. So, you know, I know some of those things are going to come up and I'm ready to go looking at this. That sounds great, man. That sounds great. So before we get to those brackets, let's review the ACC tournament. Like which team disappointed you the most this week that more, you know, more than others in, in, in Greensboro? Yeah, I've, you know, it's it's tough to, you know, because of how it played out. I mean, you know, I think Florida State's got to be up there. I, I really thought this was Florida State to lose. Um, and I thought I honestly thought they were going to route Georgia Tech. Um, clearly, that was wrong. Um, yeah, Florida State was the one team going into the AC tournament that you thought, all right, this team might be the one ACC hope to actually maybe have a chance to win a national title. No. Not the case. Uh, I think they, they disappointed me in the championship game. They, they're just not as good as I thought. Um, yeah. And Louisville, you know, and, um, you know, they paid the price tonight. Um, but Louisville, you know, I thought they would clear, easily beat Duke. I, I was stunned when Duke was made favorites. Apparently, Vegas knows better. Apparently, there's a reason why they make a bunch of money um, in Vegas and all those sports books and everything. There's a reason why. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that um, – that surprised me too. The Louisville game. I think Louisville and Florida State have to be the two disappointers. And like I said, Louisville, Louisville paid the price. They paid the price. Um, and Clemson, I think you have to throw in as well. Losing to Miami. I mean, Miami. That that's a team that just has had a tough year and is more talented than you know their record was. Um, but you know, there are a few disappointments I would say. And I think Clemson. You know, thinking more about that as well. A few of the teams, Louisville paid the price, Clemson and Florida State, well, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch them. Um, Clemson may have got a gift of a matchup. Florida State as a four against a 13 UNC Greensboro. That's going to be an interesting one because those Southern Conference teams are tough, and those coaches know how to coach. So, Definitely, definitely. So let's, let's hit the flip side of that question. I mean, I think it's obvious that Georgia Tech is the most impressive team I mean, and I feel weird saying that, but we feel uh, we think it's obvious that Georgia Tech was the most impressive team in the ACC tournament. What did you like about Georgia Tech most this week? I mean, this is a team that is, you know, Moses Wright may be, you know, the conference player of the year, but this the, the most important, the most valuable player on the team is Jose Alvarado. That's the engine of this team. He, you know, that's where it all starts. Is this guy Jose Alvarado, who has been the steady runner of the show, you know. And I think the interesting with Georgia Tech, this is a real, you know, they have a stud in the front corner, Moses Wright, and just such a good collection of guards. It's the t- And it's a veteran team. You know, it's the type of team that's built for March. It's really the type of team that's built for March. And, you know, they, you know, and, and I think we will get into this, but Georgia Tech got a terrible draw tonight. They got an awful draw going against Loyola, Chicago. Both of those teams got an awful draw getting the other. Um, because, I mean, yeah, they're, they're both really talented teams that, you know, in all honesty, if they were seven seeds, you'd be talking about them as a seven upsetting a two. And they probably should be seven seeds. I mean, they probably, you know, Clemson probably should not be a seven seed over a Loyola, for example. Florida probably shouldn't be a seven seed over a Georgia Tech. Um, so, but it's just a, you know, they're just a well-rounded basketball team. They have the the external play. They have guys like Michael DeVoe who can shoot it. Jordan Usher, you know, with the highlight 
you know, that'll be remembered with this ACC tournament victory and will be replayed over and over again for, you know, decades to come, and rightly so, with his dunk in that title game on Raekwon Gray. Um, but it's a complete package. And it's, but like I said, it starts with the leadership of this team with Jose Alvarado, and you can just see it, the passion he has for the game, the passion he has for Georgia Tech. Um, I tell you right now, he's a guy you're going to, you know, I think is going to captivate America, um, even if it's only one round and done. You know, he's going to be one of those guys, the passion you see on the floor, you know, he's going to be in a one shiny moment, I got a feeling. I got a feeling he's going to show up in there, you know, whether it's victory or defeat. Uh, for Georgia Tech. So I, I think it's just a complete, this is a well-rounded basketball team, and they're hitting their stride at the right time. Unfortunately, they got an awful draw with Loyola Chicago, and if they get through them, they're getting Illinois, who's been playing really, really well. But, you know, yes. occasionally <laughs> yes, has the all-night that can just, you know, make them upset prone. I mean, Michigan State, they lost to Michigan State a few weeks ago out of nowhere. Um, so. I think you nailed uh, you absolutely absolutely nailed that they absolutely absolutely got screwed with their draw. Jeff, you're up, buddy. All right, thanks, Matthew. All right, Tim, give us some of the players who you thought were the most impressive during the ACC tournament. Yeah, well, I think like I said, you look at um, you know Moses, you know the the Georgia Tech stars, Moses Wright and Jose Alvarado, and these guys who are the key cogs in key moments stepped up. Um, the North Carolina front court, you know, they looked, they just played physical basketball. Um, even with Garrison Brooks, um, you know, not healthy. I mean, Armando Baycott, Walker Kessler has grown so much as a basketball player. Those guys, you know, have just, they're just so physical in the front court. They're going to wear teams down. I mean, Wisconsin, <laughs> Best of luck, because I think North Carolina is just going to wear them down. I think that's a pretty easy 8-9 pick this year. So I think those guys, and I think Matthew Hurt, the growth and development he's had, you know, Duke obviously just wasn't anywhere close to the tournament this year. But Matthew Hurt next year as kind of the veteran foundation, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if Duke's back, you know, as a top 25 team next year, largely because of Matthew Hurt, because of the lead-type player he is, and Mark Williams, too. The growth of Mark Williams. I mean, and the thing is, those two guys aren't necessarily guys who are going to jump to the NBA. You know, they're not on the NBA radars necessarily, which is crazy to think a Duke player. But they don't seem to be that high on the radars. We'll see, obviously. But if they have both of those guys back next year, Hurt and Williams, put some stronger guard play around it, the growth of some of these other guys if they return, Duke's going to be just fine. So I think those are a collection of the guys who most impressed. Justin Mutz as well. Little bias maybe there, but Justin Mutz has just gotten better and better. I thought he'd be a solid role player for Virginia Tech, but he's really proven to be an effective player. And that dunk that he had against North in that game against North Carolina, little crossover dribble behind the lack behind the back between the legs and the, the authority. But he's just a gritty, tough, does it all player type of player you need this time of year. Um, so a selection of players, to say the least, stood out. I also thought Buddy Beheim at Syracuse yeah. had a really nice ACC tournament. He shot the ball really well. And, you know, Syracuse was able to, 
you know, we'll talk more about the, the NCAA tournament, but Syracuse was able to play their way into the big dance over their, over the way they played over the last week, week and a half. And, and, and Buddy Beham was a big part of that, played really well in the ACC tournament, I thought, too. Absolutely, I agree. Buddy Beheim found its rhythm, and it makes Syracuse an intriguing team, you know, especially on, you know, the short turnaround time for San Diego State, a team that's played really well in the Mountain West. But that zone is just, it's not fun. And um, that'll, be, that'll be a fascinating 6-11 matchup, um, especially if Beheim's playing, if he can keep this up um, with the shooting he can bring. It's going to be a fascinating matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament now. Which ACC team uh, do you think will disappoint the most in the big dance? I think it, you have to look at the top, the top, uh, Florida State and Virginia. I mean, I think both of those teams could go down the first round. Virginia, obviously, unfortunately, you know, because of the COVID issues they're having, I think Ohio wouldn't have been that as bad, per se. But Ohio's a solid basketball team, and you combine that with the fact that, you know, Tony Bennett said this evening that they aren't going to be able to necessarily practice till Thursday. Um, that seems like, as a team, you know, players can do personal workouts, but that just seems like a recipe for just a mess. Um, and then whoever comes out of the 5-12 in that region as well, whether it's Creighton or UC Santa Barbara, is going to be a tough, if they get past Ohio, I don't think UVA gets past Creighton. I don't think, you know, or maybe UCB, UCSB, uh, who, you know, is, could also take out Creighton and make a run to the Sweet 16. There's a couple of those, U, UCSB and um, Winthrop on the other side. And then Florida State. I mean, you UNC Greensboro is going to be a tough basketball team. Florida State just does not look great. They could be a fool. You know, they could fool us. You know, this could be a Florida State team that finally clicks, you know, you know, some of these guys reach their MJ Walker and Scotty Barnes step up their play, and they could end up, you know, playing the Elite Eight against a Texas or, or Alabama and knocking out a, Mich- a Michigan team that seems vulnerable. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think the UNC. I would not be surprised if that's an upset. UNC Greensboro or Florida State. I think those two. I think that's where the big upsets may come in the bracket on in the first round, are Florida State and UVA on that Saturday. Um, so I think, yeah, it's not a great sign for the ACC. That your 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 underperformers are the two kind of t- your top t- your two top sixteen seats, um, but that's just the ACC this year. It's a down year with no real great teams, a lot of decent teams, and it could be one of those things where the ACC goes six and one in the first round, and then has everybody wiped out in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great call what you made about you know Virginia and Florida State, especially with. You know that that's a that's a big factor with with Virginia is that even if they you know everything is fine with the, the COVID they only lose uh, maybe one player or something is that lack of practice time and you know they're basically coming out of a COVID pause and we've seen that this year in the ACC and across the country you know the majority of the teams just have not come out of their pauses playing well uh, we saw Florida State when they came out of their pause you know played really well uh, during January. Georgia Tech came off of their pause, played very well. But by and large, you know, we saw what happened to Baylor. They haven't been right since. Uh, they've come off their pause. It took Clemson about three weeks to get right, um, you know, after their pause. And uh, Virginia Tech lost after coming off a pause at home. And we've just seen it time and time again this year. It's really disruptive not to be able to practice, not to have that time on the floor. And, 
you know, I think that's a great call that, you know, Virginia's going to have to be on uh, on alert. And then, of course, like you mentioned with Florida State, you know, that was a team that, that looked like an Elite Eight, Final Four type team, you know, after their pause for about a month of basketball. And all the way through to that Virginia game where they played so well. But since that time, you know, they, they've you know, they become very turnover prone. They're not playing that well on the defensive end. They gave up 90 plus points to Notre Notre Dame, gave up 80 to uh, Georgia Tech yesterday. Um, you know, they just, they're just not in sync, just like what you were saying. And, you know, I, I could very easily see Florida State getting into the Elite Eight, especially if, uh, you know, Michigan with uh, the Rivers kid, if he's, I think that's who it was, uh, one of their top stars, if he's still out, you know, I could very easily see uh, Florida State making a run to the Elite Eight or going out in that first round. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, the bracket, if they can get in rhythm, I think the bracket, you know, Colorado is going to be tough. I think they're going to be Georgetown. I think Colorado is going to be tough. McKinley Wright's an absolute, you know, a great out west, one of the best players out west. Uh, but if they if they find a way to get to Sweet 16, Michigan's vulnerable. I, I really think Michigan's vulnerable without, I, if especially if they don't have Isaiah Livers, that's a vulnerable Michigan team that could, you know, could be the one seed that crashes out early. Um, who knows? I mean, and I mean. Especially, you know, St. Bonaventure could be the team they face in the round of 32, the A-10 champs, and that would be a that could be a dangerous matchup. You know, maybe that that that's the type of game. Mark Schmidt's, you know, a heck of a coach, and in some ways, you know, I have to dive a little deeper into the Bonaventure roster, but the Bonnie's got a little bit of a Northern Iowa vibe, a Northern Iowa Kansas vibe. Mark Schmidt's a little like Ben Jacobson, a guy who's been around for a long time, and everybody knows he's a really darn good coach. And that feels like a dangerous, dangerous matchup. And so it could be that bracket could be a very opportunistic bracket as well, where you could see a three seed, a four seed, five seed get out of it. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think I said Rivers, but you're right. Uh, Livers, if he's you know if he's not available, that that bracket becomes wide, absolutely wide open uh, for, for a lot of this team. Um, let's go on the flip side of that question you know which ACC team you know will make an unexpected run in the big dance uh, I think Georgia Tech would have been the pick if they got a better draw uh, because Loyola is a brutal draw I was hoping Tech avoided Loyola you know when they're floating around that 8, 9, 10 range and um, they avoid them but Georgia Tech got a brutal draw with Loyola and Illinois and then if they somehow get through all those they got Oklahoma State, who I think could reach the Final Four. Illinois, I think, could win it all. Oklahoma State, I think, could even win it all and somehow got a four. And they get back then. West Virginia is really good. I think they can get back Houston. So, you know, I, I want to say Georgia Tech and at least have something. I mean, maybe Syracuse can pull an upset. I think Tech does beat Florida. Um, but, you know, I could see – I wouldn't be surprised if there's no ACC teams in the Sweet 16. That seems really wild to say. But I really wouldn't be surprised if there's no ACC teams, in part because some of the better candidates, like in North Carolina, for example, they're going to have to go against Baylor. You know, Baylor's shown some vulnerability of late, but I, I just don't – I think that's just not a great matchup for North Carolina. But, you know, it's, we'll see. It's a fascinating one. I just don't think there is a really great one. Clemson could be that. 
Clemson could be that. I think Rutgers is struggling, and I think they can dispatch Rutgers, but they got to find their rhythm again. Uh, they haven't been playing well either at the right time. So, you know, I, I would love to say I have this one team that's like, oh, my goodness, you know, great. You know, Georgia Tech just got the – it w- would have probably been that. They got a bad draw. North Carolina's playing better. But, you know, they, they got stuck on the eight line, and they couldn't get to a seven. Uh, Virginia Tech maybe with Ohio State. You know, if they get past Florida, then against Ohio State, that definitely is possible. And, you know, if they get past Ohio State, you know, who knows? Maybe you see them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a little bias and a dream right here, but who knows? Maybe you just see them in the Elite Eight with some of those veteran scrappy, some of those scrappy players they have, especially they get Kevin Luma going. So, but it's hard to say because, you know, AC's just a lot of good teams, no real great surefire Sweet 16 teams even this year. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I, I don't really, even uh, myself, I don't know if I really see a, a team from the ACC, you know, because of the draws or, you know, some of the matchups that could make an unexpected run. But if I really had to say which, which draw plus team has the potential to, to kind of really shock what's going on, you know, I, 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 North Carolina has, has a puncher's chance against Baylor. Uh, you know, Baylor is, is, is not a, a huge team and not a super great rebounding team, and, and North Carolina has that monster front line. If they can get anything out of their guards, uh, you know, they've, they've got a shot against – I think they've, they've got a shot against Baylor, but they've got to have their guards, um, you know, play a 40-minute a 40-minute game, and and when they can, I, I think North Carolina is is a top, you know, 20 type team, um, but they're so inconsistent. If if they can just put it together for one game, uh, I, I give them a shot, a shot at Baylor. Not a great shot, but a, but a shot. And I think Clemson, like you said, against Rutgers, I think they got a pretty favorable, uh, a pretty favorable draw when you look at compared to the other ACC teams. Uh, I think Rutgers is a pretty good matchup for them. And if they can get back to the way they were playing in December, I mean, this is a team with like a fantastic out-of-conference resume. I mean, they, they got a road win against Alabama. They, they've beaten Purdue. they beat Maryland. Uh, they beat Florida State. I mean, prior to their pause, I mean, they were a legit top 15 team. And, uh, you know, Houston is going to be a really tough team. But as far as, like, the twos, you know, they're, they're – they don't kind of scare you the way an Ohio State would. Um, you know, I, I think they're a team that Clemson can can play with if they can can you know have that form that they had back in December. We saw it in bits and pieces. You know, after their two week really big struggle when they came back from the pause, but they they haven't been able to put it all together. Um, you know, back to their December form. But if they could put it together for a couple of games. You know they they've got a sh- shot too, but but like you said, there's really not one that just stands out to you like what well, that's that's a real possibility of a of a of an ACC team making a run deeper than we thought. You know, what, of course, Florida State is always a team that's got the potential, and especially we've already mentioned it. If, if Liver struggles, he's out. You know, Florida State could could kind of make a deep run, but you know, he's just been so inconsistent uh, the last week. I'm definitely agreeing with you there. It's hard to really pick an ACC team that that looks like they could make a, a really deep, unexpected run. Yeah, I feel like if I bet on one, it would be in a 
it'd be end up it would end up on the uh, old takes exposed Twitter page by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I it would not. I don't think it would end well um, at this point. Uh, it's just all right. It's just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's just it just is what it is for the ACC this year. Just a down year. Yeah, yeah. Um, can't can't argue this with that. It's not it's not a vintage year. Um, in the ACC, I know I don't think it's far as, as down as some people are are calling it or calling it like a trajectory of the conference or anything. I, I think it's a little bit of a of a blip, and you know I still think it's one of it's, it's definitely a competitive conference. So they still put seven teams into the into the big dance, and, and nobody has an argument with any of the seven. But you know as far as having an elite team, it, it definitely it definitely lacks this year. There's no question about that. Um, Let's go on the flip. Or sorry, uh, let's go with what we want to call our lightning round, and we want to just get your 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 quick uh, thoughts on each each of the brackets here. And let me pull it up here. We'll start out out here in in the West, where where Gonzaga is a number one seed. And you know, I'm going to give you my two seconds thought on this bracket here. Gonzaga is going to blow through this bracket. <laughs> They're going to. Yeah. They I might not have. They yeah. They might not have a game. That they don't win by double digits. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it could be interesting because we could see an Iowa Gonzaga rematch, especially you know, especially depending on Kansas. I mean, we don't know what we're going to see from Kansas. I mean, is David like David McCormick had to stay, you know, was stuck in Lawrence for the Big Twelve tournament. Tournament. If they don't have him uh, because of COVID reasons, because they, that's why they didn't have him in the Big Twelve. They don't have him. Um, USC. Um, that's a tricky one, the 6-11, because Wichita and Drake are both intriguing potential 11s getting out of that first four. I kind of wish they were against BYU, because I think that would be a more interesting game. I think BYU got the weaker of the 11s, Michigan State and UCLA, and USC is the stronger six. But, you know, I think USC could end up in Sweet 16. Uh, with Evan Mobley being able to dominate the front court, I would not be surprised if they knock out Kansas, um, you know, there. But, yeah, I, I think it could be a Gonzaga-Iowa rematch from the game we saw in South Dakota um, earlier this year. I think it goes the same way it did then with Gonzaga. And, um, yeah, I think the Zags, Mark Few's got a this – is, this is their chance. This is Mark Few's chance to put him – you know, he's, he's obviously a great coach. We, he will have an – he has a tremendous legacy. But at the end of the day, this is his biggest chance leave a legacy, um, to leave this as the high, wider, the high water mark, to leave his name in, in the history books as an all-time great coach. Not just a great coach, but an all-time great coach. And, yeah, I think Gonzaga got a really good draw. I mean, you look at, the, like I said, Iowa, Kansas is not as strong as some of the other Big 12 teams they could have gotten, um, just, or at least may not be. We'll see. They've been playing well before, but the COVID issues. Virginia's got COVID issues. Um, Braden, I don't know what to think about the Big East teams right now. I really don't. Uh, Villanova seems like almost certainly going to go down. They seem like to be a mess. They're going the wrong direction. But, yeah, I think Gonzaga. I mean, I mean, when you look at that Gonzaga bracket, think of the other fours that they could have been matched up against. You know, a, a really nice uh, Purdue team uh, that's played really, you know, well during the during the Big Ten season, you know, or they could have been matched up with, like you said, Oklahoma State, which I think would have been a fantastic Sweet 16 matchup, you know, or even Florida State, who I think athletically could could hang in there with Gonzaga, and, you know, if they're playing as well as they can, I think they could have pushed pushed the Zags, but 
But Virginia, you know, we, we saw this already. I don't think it'll be the blowout that it was in. But Virginia's just not equipped to play with a Gonzaga. And, uh, you know, you look at the rest of the bracket, like you said, you know, with the question marks at Kansas, they beat Iowa earlier in the year. I, I, I think Iowa is a really good team, but probably the best matchup that Gonzaga could have had for a two. Um, yeah, they, they, they got a good draw. I expect we'll see Gonzaga in the Final Four. Uh, let's move to the South, where Baylor is the number one seed with a, with a really strong two seed as Ohio State. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fascinating bracket. Um, you know, because North Carolina is an intriguing team at the eight with Baylor. You know, the Hokies, if they're playing like the top 25 team, they, you know, they're showing signs they're getting there. Second, North Carolina seems to be finding some form. And that makes those – it could be a fascinating round of 32. I mean, you look at Villanova, for example, who could be gone because of Winthrop. I, I think will be, um, you know, not even looking that deep into it. Purdue North Texas is going to be a fascinating 4-13 match. But I think Purdue I think Purdue gets through that. Um, but you know, we don't have a lot of overlapping data points um, per se there. I think be, I think Baylor though, I think that'd be an easier matchup whoever comes out of that um, part in the Sweet 16 for Baylor. Arkansas is intriguing. Eric Musselman has had a couple of deeper runs with had some good runs with Nevada previously and this is a team that's a tough basketball team. They're getting hot at the right time. That's going to be fascinating. I, I would you – know, this is a more loose projection because, you know, as I, you know, as I mentioned er, I think earlier, I am putting together my, my bracket as we go through this. But I think Baylor is going to the Final Four out of this bracket. I would say Baylor goes to the Final Four. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, good, that's a good call. But Baylor's going to have to earn it out of this bracket because there, there's, some, there's some landmines in, in, in that bracket. Let's move to the Midwest, where Illinois is your number one seed. Uh, Houston is a two seed. Um, you know, like you've already talked about a little bit with Loyola and, and Georgia Tech. You know, the committee didn't really do a lot of favors for Illinois uh, either because I, I think Loyola or Georgia Tech, you know, are the best pair of eight, nine teams uh, in the entire field. I, maybe LSU is, is in that category as well. But Illinois doesn't catch a break in the second round. They could get pushed by either one of those teams, and uh, and West Virginia is a really strong three seed. And like in going into Oklahoma State, that's a really strong four. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Midwest bracket? Yeah, Illinois is going to be calling up the committee and wondering what the heck they did to them because my word. Yeah, you mentioned Loyola, Georgia Tech. That is a brutal matchup. Oklahoma State's almost certainly if they get past them, it's going to be Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16. That's a brutal matchup. Get past that. I see West Virginia waiting for them in the Elite Eight. I mean, there are three teams here, Illinois, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, that I really like. Houston, I think, is a solid team. I think is a vulnerable team as well with Clemson. I mean, if Clemson gets going, I mean, I could easily see. I'm split right now on that, but I think even if Houston wins, um, I, I think West Virginia is going to beat whoever wins that game. Um, though, then again, I mean, they might have to prepare two days for Syracuse. That's the danger. You know, I love the Illinois duo of Dosamu and Cockburn. I really like that duo. Um, and I'm split here a lot <laughs> because this is a really dangerous group of teams here. This is a really dangerous group of teams. And, man, I, I, part of my first in instinct says Bob Huggins going to the Final Four. Um, part of me thinks that. Part of me thinks Illinois. Um, 
you know, because I think Illinois can win it all. But part of me wonders, can Illinois play four? They've been playing a lot better lately. But can they play four consistent games to get there? Because um, I think West Virginia and Oklahoma State are better in some of the, a lot of the teams. I think they're, they're a lot better. I think the Big 12 is a lot stronger. Um, I think the Big 12 is the best conference in America this year. I don't think it's the Big 10. Big 10 just has more teams. Big 12 is just loaded. I mean, it's a seven. I mean, Oklahoma fell to an eight, but otherwise, like, just loaded, top loaded. So this is a, you know, this is subject to change. A lot of subject change. There's a lot of breaking down to do in the coming days of this bracket, and I haven't done enough uh, so far. But I, I just got a gut feeling. Um, my gut feeling right now is West Virginia is going to go to the Final Four. Bob Huggins gets back to the Final Four with West Virginia this year. Miles McBride, they got the players to get there. That's, they're, just t- they're tough to prepare for, too. That style that they play is tough to prepare for. So I got, I'm going to take West Virginia um, for the time being. This is very much subject to change. Guys, tweet at me later before the games tip off because this, this will probably change because I could very easily, I could very easily switch to Illinois winning the whole darn, whole darn thing. Um, but right now on the spot, my first gut instinct says West Virginia. All right, I hear you. Uh, let's go to the east. And, you know, this one definitely has the, potential to be the most wide open bracket out there with with the liver's injury of Michigan. We don't know his status. Uh, you know, there's a dangerous 8-9 team for them waiting. Of course, we've talked about Florida State, hot Texas, uh, and, and SEC champion Alabama at the bottom of the draw. Yeah, this is just a fascinating – I mean, Texas and Alabama are tough two and three seats to get. Um, really tough two and three seeds for a Michigan team that without livers, I mean, that is such a key piece. It's a lot younger team. And, you know, this is a, I don't think Michigan's going to get to the final four. I don't see Michigan getting to the final four out of here, especially if without livers. Bold, you know, this is subject to change, like I said, but just looking at this bracket, St. Bonaventure is playing some really good basketball out of the A-10. Like I mentioned this earlier, Ben Jacobson, you know, Mark Schmidt's a very veteran coach like Ben Jacobson. This is a very it's an older team. Not all not necessarily seniors, but it's still an older team. Lots of options. Shoot free throws well. Do a lot of things well. And the A ten was pretty darn good. They only got two teams in, but the A ten was really good this year. I got the Bonnies knocking out Michigan right now in the round of thirty two on the first weekend. There's gotta be a big upset oh, somewhere. And I, I see it. that. I see that as the upset. And, you know, Florida State, who knows what we'll see from them. I think I'll probably have them over UNC Greensboro, but I really like McKinley Wright and Tad Boyle. Colorado to the Elite Eight, but I think, you know, the question is who do they face? Do they face Texas or do they face Alabama? Um, And and Colorado, like I said, you know, Colorado has looked good. And and McKinley Wright's the type of player who can get a team far, you know. He's a really good player. And I know this is the hot take section of my bracket. Yeah. Uh, with with <laughs> Texas, with Alabama in here. Um, you know, obviously, I, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for whoever has to face Gonzaga out of this. And like I said, there's so much of this subject to change. You know, first run through the bracket, plenty of thinking over this over and over and over again. 
in the coming days. But, you know, it's the Big 12 was really good this year. The Big 12 was a really good conference this year. But Nate Oates' team is really darn good, but they're up and down a little. They, they're a little inconsistent. Texas has some veteran players. How about a little old Big 12 throwback, Texas-Colorado for a spot in the Final Four, and the Big 12 in the Big Ten's backyard. It's three teams in the Final Four against Gonzaga. First run, like I said, probably going to change, you know, with the Illinois, Oklahoma State, West Virginia part, and this bracket may change as well. But Texas, they are playing some really good basketball right now. Give me the Longhorns to make the Final Four. Shaka Smart knows what it takes to get a team to the Final Four. This team's got old players, old guards. That is such a key thing this time of year, having veteran guards like Matt Coleman and Andrew Jones who have loads of experience, who won't be intimidated by the stage, but will be hungry for it. I think Texas to the Final Four against Gonzaga and then Baylor for now, for now, Baylor and West Virginia on the other side of my Final Four. All right. Sounds good, Tim. We're just going around through the brackets. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to ask you a follow-up here before we go into the open microphone session. What if if Georgetown blows your entire theory into the water tip, who is the – really – is one of the hottest teams in the country now and seems to have figured out on defense and seems to have figured out the point guard position. And Patrick has these guys playing really, really hot right now. I was actually thinking about going down there and placing a little bet on Georgetown to beat, to beat, to beat Colorado straight up. Yeah, you know, you know, I think Georgetown's playing excellent. And, you know, I agree. I think they would have been a team that, you know, if the right matchup with a lot of these other five seeds, you know, Villanova, Creighton, obviously they wouldn't play Creighton, but I think they wouldn't play Villanova, but Tennessee, for example, you know, like I have Oregon State being Tennessee. It's unfortunately, Georgetown got Colorado, the best of the five seeds in my view, and with a guy like McKinley Price. Um, and they got other quality front court players. They don't turn the ball over much. They are really good from the free throw line. You know, 80, they're, they're setting records in the free throw line. And that matters this time of year. I mean, you know, and thinking about that more, you star guard, you don't turn the basketball over, and you make your free throws, that's the type of profile of a team that can make a deep run in March. Um, so I, I really like Colorado a lot um, to make a run. Who knows? They could have, honestly, they could, you know, a guy like McKinley Wright could get him to the Final Four. Um, I don't think he will, but they could. Uh, and it's unfortunate for Georgetown. It's a great story. And huge for Patrick Ewing. That's huge for that program. But at the end of the day, I think it's just a bad – It's a bad. they got the bad draw of the 12s um, against Colorado. It very well and, could be. It very, very well could be. That's good analysis. That's good analysis. Sometimes I think that, sometimes I think that Colorado isn't necessarily challenged in the Pac-12. I, I will have my eye on – I will have that my eye on that game. I think it's going to be a good one. But I do think you have really good analysis there. So – we appreciate that. That's why we bring you on this show. So, man, now this next segment, man, it is open mic microphone time, and we're having a couple of those tonight. We usually don't have those, have two of them. So you're, you're, this, is, this is the first time we've ever done this tip. Who wants to eat crow? In other words, 
you were wrong and seriously wrong about something, and you want to come out and tell the world about it. And so we're going to go with you first, Tim, and then we're going to go to Jeff. So let's start out with you, Tim. Yeah, if you would have told me that Georgia Tech would have won the ACC tournament and beat Florida State in the process, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, yeah, I, I got to start there. Um, I mean, this is a team that lost to Mercer earlier this year. And Mercer actually didn't turn out to be that terrible this year. But I, I don't know how Passinger did it. I, I am stunned. That That's one that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, actually, doesn't make, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. But this team has just turned the corner. You know, the growth of Moses Wright, his just meteoric development, Alvarado, DeVoe, those veteran guards. Yeah, I, I was wrong about that. I can tell you right now, I was absolutely wrong about that. And about Florida State, I thought Florida State was going to beat him. I thought it was going to be bad. I really thought it was going to be potentially 10, 15, 20-point route. Um, clearly not. Clearly not. Um, stunned me. <laughs> Stunned me to say the least. And uh, I, Jeff, I know you're rightly very happy about your your Yellow Jackets because man, they 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 are they stunned me. They uh, they look really darn good. And, and you're not alone on that. Jeff will probably talk a lot, a lot more about that, uh, a lot more about that, and we'll probably provide a lot more history here. So I'm going to serve it up on a platter for you, Jeff. Yeah. I, I, I got to eat some crow, absolutely, on Josh Passner. Uh, I mean, our <laughs> listeners of the podcast know what I'm saying on here. <laughs> on the blog, I, am, I have not been a fan of his. I have a couple of slides. Uh, you probably talked about it in person with people, too. But anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I, may, I'm, I can absolutely not, you know, hide from the, the, the fact of, of, of how much I began to dislike Josh Pastner. I was indifferent to the hire at best, you know, marginally okay with year one in the NIT, which wasn't a bad year. Uh, but for the next three and a half years, it, it was absolutely nothing but frustration. Um, you know, minus a, a two-week run last year, you know, to finish fifth in the ACC. But, you know, between the the the, the losing basketball the, the sanctions that came under his watch, uh, and then the pedestrian re- recruiting through most of his tenure. When, when they lost to Clemson, nine and eight, five and six in the ACC, with a team that was clearly talented enough to get to the NCAA, uh, I, I thought he was finished. I, I really did. I was like, he's going to need a miracle run. You know, he may come back, but he's going to have basically no support and be on the absolute on fire seat uh, and. And I did not see how they could turn it around, even with the talented players that I thought they had in the backcourt of DeVoe and Alvarado. And um, it was stunning. I mean, I was floored by the way they finished the season, uh, you know, knocking off three NCAA teams at the end of the year, you know, winning at Virginia Tech, beating Syracuse, knocking Duke off the bubble, and then beating Florida State uh, for the second time in three tries. Uh, you know, and then coaching, and I mean, he gets get credit for this. I mean, he coached Moses Wright to be the ACC Player of the Year, Alvarado, Defensive Player of the Year, Michael DeVoe, MVP of the tournament. Um, this is one of the most stunning, you know, turnarounds, like resurrections of a guy's, uh, you know, career that was absolutely dead um, and, and headed in that direction. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it stunned me. 
but you got to give him credit. I mean, I'll admit when I was wrong about that, and, and I absolutely was, and I've, I've got to eat a full plate of crow on, on Pastner. And, you know, you look at where Georgia Tech could go in the future, you don't know if this is just, you know, kind of a, a, a three-week run and whether he can build on it, but the opportunity is there. Georgia Tech basketball has had more exposure in the last three days than they've had since the end of the Paul Hewitt era when they went to the tournament in 2010. And even that was a kind of a, a, a quiet tournament. I mean, really probably got to go back to the Final Four team that Hewitt had and, and Jared Jack and B.J. Elder and, and, and those guys where, where Georgia Tech had this much positive ex, ex, exposure I didn't think Passner could do it, but for me, it's always been about could he make the tournament in his fifth year? It didn't look likely, but he he pulled it off. He he, he pulled a rabbit out of his hat to to get there, and um, you know that's off to him and his staff and and the and his team for not you know putting letting that Clemson loss kind of in their season. I mean that that was, that that loss could have gutted them. You know here they are could have picked up a, a quad one win on the road and lose on a last second you know, shot with, with a, you know, a couple seconds left in the game and then just turn it on at the end of the season, you know, really improbable. And, and I've got to get a pull for the crow on that one. Um, you know, definitely passengers off the hot seat. Um, you know, when you're at a program like, like a Georgia tech or, or Clemson, when you make the NCAA tournament, it, it's at least a two year reset on your coach. You know, I know Clemson fans were, were, uh, you know, some of them just kind of went off the deep end on Brown L with, with the, with the loss to Miami, um, you know, he's going to the tournament for the second time in four years. And, you know, when you're when you're a coach at those programs and you make the tournament, you're good for two years no matter what, what you do. So Passner's going to have his opportunity to build Georgia Tech. Um, also, the appeal of, of the NCAA sanctions uh, is going very well. It's, it looks very likely that a lot of the, the – um, the sanctions are going to be reduced or maybe even dropped, which was extremely beneficial to Georgia Tech. And one of the sticking points for me that, that you know, not only the losing bothered me, but, you know, going on probation under under Passner really turned me the wrong way. But, you know, <laughs> take it, taking that kind of off his resume with, with the appeal is, is a big deal. So, yeah. I'm 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 having a mouthful mouthful of crow for me. <laughs> I could take it. I I'll go into this more on the blog too because I, I might have to write a couple of retractions for the stuff I've been saying for the last two years, three years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know you ha- that that's uh, that's good that you're getting it all that you're getting it all out then and getting it all out now. Okay, so. Full disclosure, I was wrong about Pastor, and I, I went. I, I, of course, I think I probably went as far to say is that they were doing all this in spite of him. And people probably think I'm very sarcastic, but yes, they that that certainly surprised me. Well, the Georgia Tech made this run, but two other things here. And now, Tim knows this. We kind of talked about this prior to the podcast starting. I didn't have this wrong, but there were a lot of people out there in Hokie Nation that were really, really, really against the hire of Mike Young. That's turned out pretty well for Virginia Tech, and I, I think that we have to give with Babcock a measure of, you know, a measure of deference and respect because he's made a lot of really good hires at Virginia Tech up and down the program, and this was absolutely, in my opinion, was absolutely a home run with Mike Young being obviously being from Southwest Virginia and Radford. He's a good fit for the pro. He's a good fit for the program. Uh, Tim, I'll let you t- you can respond to that in a moment. I just I'll get this other lightning round. Uh, thing out here quick. I, I, of course, 
did not think that Georgetown was going to be in the NCAA tournament and would win four straight Big East games, and I find that shocking. That, that like almost like an extension of 2020 for me. So, uh, Tim, thoughts on Virginia Tech? Thoughts on Virginia Tech and Mike Young? Because there are a lot of people out there that really missed the boat on that. I know you were willing to see it out. So you you were one of those that was willing to see it out. So, and credit to you for that, for not making, you know, not jumping out and making a judgment right away like many other people who kind of jumped off the cliff. Your thoughts here, buddy? Yeah, yeah there were some just crazy reactions. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I was split. I was split. I, I, I was split initially. Didn't take take long to realize, yeah, Mike Young was a fantastic hire, not only because he's a really darn good basketball coach, but it's just as important. He fits. He fits the culture. He fits Southwest Virginia. He fits Blacksburg. And that's as important as anything. That's how you can build, you know, you got to be both. If you're going to be a long-term, build something big, really, really big, you got to have both. And Mike Young has that. Um, So, yeah, I think, yeah, (laughs) I think there are plenty of old takes that, you know, I said, I don't think I was crazy on it um, initially. You weren't. Yeah, you were, no, I, I don't think I, you were. You were. Yeah, I don't think I was crazy. You were, willing, I think I, you were willing to see it out, and that's that, that's the key. Yeah, and know, I think so, if you would have people, you know, I think I, you know, also if you would have given me my choice of Southern Conference coach at that time, I think I would have actually taken Steve Forbes. Um, and don't get me wrong, I think Forbes is still a, a very good hire. Wake Forest, I'm intrigued to see what he does. At the end of the year, was a mess there, but I, I really, yeah, and. <laughs> Whit Babcock got it right, and, you know, some of the complaining, you know, look, at the end of the day, Whit Babcock has done an excellent job with this athletic program. People say, oh, my goodness, off with his head because he messed up. You know, I get it. It's football. Football program is not in great shape at Virginia Tech, and, and you know, this is just a small diatribe on the football side of things. But what hire – I can only think out of, like, 12 hires, 10 or 12 hires that Babcock's made, 8, 10, 12 hires, only two – that I'd grade at a C or worse. That's incredible. That's genuinely incredible. That puts you consistently among the elite ADs in college sports. Definitely, definitely. Open microphone segment number two. I'm going to start with you this time, Jeff. What do you got for us? Well, you know, since Georgia Tech won the, with the ACC championship, I'm going to go back to them and, and talk about Jose Alvarado. You know, if, if Georgia Tech, you know, goes on in the next four or five years to to continue to elevate and progress as a program, uh, you know, you're going to have to look at, at, at Jose Alvarado as, as, as a catalyst of, of who brought, you know, the player that brought Georgia Tech back. Um, you know, as a point guard, he's going to join the list of great Georgia Tech point guards. You know, the the Mark Prices, the, the Travis Best, the Kenny Andersons, the Stephon Marberries, uh, the Jarrett Jacks. You know, who, you know, also a, a point guard from New York. And you saw the interview after the the Florida State win. You know, just yep. how much the, this victory meant to him. And he, he was just in in tears. You know, and this this was a this was a dead program. You know, Georgia Tech. We got to be honest. For the last you know decade, uh, you know, they just just you know haven't been relevant in Atlanta. Haven't been relevant uh, in the in the ACC. They've been an afterthought. And you know, he came and and joined 
Pastner with his first class, along with Moses Wright, you know, who's who's improved so much in his in his own right. And you know, that was the player that that Pastner brought that said, you know, I want to, you know, recruit. I want to get old. I want to build my team around, you know, Alvarado, and you know, just from the moment he he came to Georgia Tech, you could tell he was the tough, gritty New York guard that. You know, by the time he was going to be a junior or senior, was going to be a really good basketball player, a really good point guard. You know, and 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 the and the kind of player that would was capable of leading his team to the NCAA tournament. And and you know, while I, while it looked really dicey, you know, after that Clemson loss, I mean, this this team, you know, really, uh, you know, they they really build around uh, and and focused and struggled. With, with Alvarado out there after that Clemson loss they, and he missed the two free throws. They said he was out shooting um, at the Georgia Tech gym until two or three in the morning with, with Pastner. And you just see how much it means to him. And, you know, so it's, it's a great moment for him to, to have that ACC championship with, with Georgia Tech and, and the whole team and, and getting the opportunity to play in the ACC, I mean, the NCAA tournament um, after so many years. Um, you know, he's definitely going to be remembered you know, in that great group of uh, Georgia Georgia Tech point guards and, and, and one of the great players in, you know, in the ACC. Very good take. Very good take. You're up, Tim. Yeah, no, I think, you know, shifting back to the Virginia Tech side of things, I mean, first off, this is tremendous. Year two of Mike Young with a young team still. What Mike Young has done is, Absolutely tremendous. Absolutely deserved his ACC Coach of the Year honor. Um, but, you know, I think one of the biggest, one of the best stories is Wabi Sabidi. Uh, yes, he's not, let's be honest, he's not a great offensive player. Not not that good of an offensive player. But this guy's a leader. This guy's a steady player. Uh, you know, he's not going to make the mistakes. He, he, he's a great, he does a great job protecting the basketball, but he's a great leader at the end of the day. He's been, he was so key in his decision to return, to be the veteran presence on this team, to be the guy who has been there in the ACC, who is going to bring a wealth of NCAA tournament experience and successful NCAA tournament experience to this Virginia Tech team, uh, who's been through some of those tough 8-9 matchups and has been was on that team that made the Sweet 16 run. Um, his leadership is so valuable um, to this team. And, you know, I think... He gets plenty of criticism because his offensive game, it's just, it's just never come into form. But this is a great defensive player and a great leader. And, he, and I think Beattie is a, is a big reason for some of those off-the-court reasons why this Virginia Tech program is already where it's at today, going back to the NCAA tournament. You know, with last year's NCAA tournament not happening, this is a fourth straight NCAA tournament appearance for Virginia Tech. Never before been done in program history. Um, that's that's a tremendous legacy for Wabisa Beatty right there to have done that. Um, they've been a been a part of a lot of that success. So, and also secondly, Marsh Madness is back. Like it's been a long year. It's been a tough year, um, and we still got a little bit to go, but. Gosh, we've made it. <laughs> We're making it. The end is near, and it's gonna it's gonna be great to see an NCAA tournament after the heartbreak of last year for so many players because of what we didn't know. 
with this pandemic. And it's going to be great to see those players get their chance on this stage to make it happen. Amen. Well said, well said. I'll just say this real quickly. Since you, you did bring up the pandemic, the vaccinations are going up so much every day that I feel like by college football season in the fall, when that first game, we're going to see people tailgating on campus again, and we're going to see people in college football stadiums, and I couldn't be happier about that. And they're, doing, they're just doing a heck of a job getting everybody, getting the, getting the, you know, getting the vaccine, I should say getting the vaccines out to the States. They're going to say like this, you know, the vaccines will be ready. They're making a big sprint to get them all ready by May 1st, whether, you know, whether people, whether the States can get people vaccinated by May 1st is a different issue, but they're saying that if not by May 1st, by, by the summer. So I, guys, I truly think, this is just me, the optimist, but I, you know, They've been blowing through all the milestones that they've predicting, been predicting so far in terms of getting back, getting you know, being able to acquire vaccines and being able, being able to get these things out to the states. Like yesterday, there were I think I saw this tag yesterday. I think there were almost five million vaccinations given yesterday. We're going to be tailgating in the fall, and we're going to be watching football in person on campus. And I couldn't be happier about that. I'm thrilled about that. Because that's a certain sense of normality that's kind of, that's going to come come back come back and people will need to see that and I'm 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 thrilled about that and this is good it's 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 good it's good news you know so if they keep it up keep it up just as they say you know if you're not getting vaccinated yet do the social distancing wear your mask you may still have to wear your mask here and there you know, here and there but with vaccinations getting, you know, vaccinations getting up, just hanging there a little longer, uh, hanging there a little longer because the sense of normality's right around the corner. I'm very happy about that. So, guys, Tim, Jeff, it's been great. Tim, thanks so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We would love to have you come on again sometime, perhaps when we begin previewing spring football when we know we're going to be on campus tailgating and watching football. How does that sound? That sounds fantastic. And guys, I'm, I'm always glad to be on. I appreciate you having me on tonight. All right. You guys have a great week. All right. You too, guys. Same deal.